this moment, I invite you to take a seat. And what I want to do as we continue on in worship is I want to acknowledge and honor the leadership that God has given us. We know that any church needs good leadership in order to grow. And the job of leaders is to equip the people to do everything God has created you to do. So we are here to build you up and then, and with a servant heart and with an attitude of doing what we can to help each and every person. That's why God has called certain people into leadership. So I'm going to invite the leaders forward at this time. I'm going to introduce them to you and then we're going to anoint them and pray for them this morning as God has consecrated them and set them apart to lead our church. Amen? Thank you. I need uh, Pastor Angel and Pastor Rosalie, so if anybody knows where they are, they can tell them to come on in. They're out leading, I'm sure. Amen. Actually, have you guys stand in the front. Just go ahead and stand in the front. Amen. If you don't mind, John, can you uh, pop out and get Pastor Rosalie and Pastor Angel? And I'm going to invite Larry to come forward, too. So, Larry, come on forward. So Larry not only runs the sound from back there, he likes to stay in the back, but Larry has been called by God and answered the call to be the treasurer for our church, so he has a very important role. We appreciate him for that. As you know and heard this morning, uh, Alyssa leads our worship ministries and leads us in worship, and we appreciate her for that. Um, Donna, next to her, is literally the first person that joined the church, that joined the vision that I had. And so uh, that's all you need to know, right? <laughs> that's all you need to know. She's the head of our uh, communications team as well. This is my wife, Jennifer, if you don't know her. She leads our children's ministry. Amen. And then coming to stand right next to Jennifer is Pastor Rosalie. She is our pastor of administration, which means everything that needs to be done, this wonderful woman of God does. And standing right next to her is Pastor Angel. (laughs) I I think he made that entrance on purpose. What do you think? I love it. I love it. He has been called to lead our youth and also our outreach um, as our pastoral intern for this year. So I want to anoint them with oil, acknowledging the consecration that God has already given them, meaning that they've been called and set apart uh, to serve us, to lead us. And again, we believe in servant leadership, that what we do is we kneel down and we wash each other's feet because that's what Jesus did. So we we are there to serve, and and God calls us all together. But he calls us to to give honor and to pray for those that God has called uh, to help us on that journey. So would you join me in prayer this morning as I anoint them? If you would like, you can extend your hand to them as well. And I'm just going to anoint them and then pray for our leadership. So Pastor Angel, I anoint you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the pastoral ministry that God has called you to. Rosalie, I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the pastoral ministry that God has called you to. Jennifer, I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the ministry that he has called you to. Donna, I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the ministry that he has called you to. Alyssa, I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit for the ministry that he has called you to. And Larry, I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the ministry to this church. Lord God, we pray for our leaders, God. 
We pray that as you've called them and set them apart, God, that you would equip them, Lord God, that you would fill them with every good thing. God, we pray for them today, God. We pray for your spirit to fill them, God. We pray for your love to flow into their hearts, Lord God. We pray, God, that you would use them, God, to build your kingdom here on earth, God, that you would use them, God, even when we feel like there is no way, God, we know that you make a way, God. We know that you are leading us, that you are guiding us. So, God, we commit this morning in in the midst of this body that you've called together to be leaders that follow you as our leader, Jesus Christ, that we always submit to your leadership, to your authority, God, believing and knowing that you are leading and you are guiding this church, Lord God. So, Lord, I pray that this would be a year of growth. I pray that it would be a year of transformation in all of our ministries, Lord God. Lord, I pray that us as a congregation, you would call each and every person here to pray for our leaders, to support them, to volunteer, to serve with them, to lead alongside of them, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would raise up an entire congregation of people that are servant leaders, Lord God. And to this end, Lord God, we just recognize the calling that you've placed on each and every one of their lives, Lord God. And we pray for a fresh anointing, a fresh filling, fresh power from the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. As I said, we are privileged to be celebrating our third anniversary this morning. By God's grace, we have been meeting weekly now for three years since we started, uh, which I can't believe it's been that long, isn't it? One of the things we want to do, even though we've been three years, we're still young, we're still growing, is that we want to connect together. We want to be a strong body. We want to be a family. We want to be a place where we belong to each other and belong to Jesus Christ. So to that end, I'm going to ask everyone today to fill out one of our connection cards, if you would. If you're visiting with us, we welcome you. We're so glad that you came today to celebrate our anniversary with us, and we would love to stay connected with you. If you are already a part of this family, would you please just write down a prayer request or a prayer praise or maybe just a word of encouragement so that we can have everyone fill this out. And we know sometimes your information changes, right? Sometimes you try to text somebody and it's not their number anymore. Amen. So we just want to make sure that we have the right information for you guys so that we can stay connected and stay in contact. If everyone would just take a moment to fill this out today, we would really, really appreciate it. And you can turn it into the offering at the very end of the service. I want to tell you about a few things, gatherings that we're going to have to help us uh, connect together as a church and invite you to that. So the um, first thing I want to talk about, if we go to the next slide up there, there we go, is that um, we are we are wanting to bless our family in Honduras. We are planning to take a small team of people to go and do some uh, repair work, some upkeep work, but we also want to bless the children there. There's about 20 children. We're collecting school supplies between now and the end of the year. So if you can bring by extra school supplies, backpacks, whatever kids need for school, we're going to take that down there. We're going to give every kid a new backpack, every kid a brand new school uniform, and we're going to stock their room. They have a homework room. We're going to stock it with as much supplies as possible so that we can be a blessing to them. And Tia Jen is setting that up. Everyone turn around. Tia's going to wave. And you can see her. Uh, she's the one collecting all of that. We praise God for that. We go to the next slide. We want to tell you what's coming up for the guys, okay? Not this Sunday night, but next Sunday night, we're going to watch the Patriots game. 
I know, but, but you can come and root for them or root for them to lose. I don't know. Whatever, whatever your flavor is that night. But that's going to be next Sunday night at my house. This is for the guys. We're going to have poker game. We're going to watch the Patriots either win or lose. Uh, we're going to have some refreshments. We're going to have a good time together as guys. So if you guys can join me next Sunday night, yes, you can crash my house. Yes, you can all come in. We're going to have a great time next Sunday night, okay? Watching the Patriots against I, whoever they play. I can't remember who they play, but, you know, who? Oh, you don't know? All right. So we'll go to the next slide. So we don't want the ladies to feel left out. The ladies have a special event coming up as well. And that's going to be Saturday, October 13th. This Saturday, uh, you're going to meet at Great River Park right there in East Hartford. Um, you can join us uh, them for a picnic lunch and grab a sweater, um, $3. This is a chance for the women to get together. It's a beautiful place. It's right across from where we are, right on the other side of the river in East Hartford, right along the river. And um, if you want more information, you can talk to um, Pastor Rosalie or to my wife, Jen. Jennifer or Donna about that. Those are the ones who've been leading and guiding that up. So, okay, go to the next slide. Um, Also, uh, in a couple Saturdays, we're having a core team meeting. Our core team is the people who are committed to the church. So, you know what? This is my church home, and I want to be a part of the, the core of what this church is about. Anyone can be a part of the core team, as long as you're willing to commit yourself to HCC. So, if you're a part of the core team, we'd like you to come to Donna's house. She's going to have a fondue feast. It's going to be amazing. It's Saturday from 5 to 8. We're going to talk about the church, about our vision for the next year, about some things we think are going to be changing that God is moving us towards. And so, if you're a part of the core team or you want to be a part of the core team, then please come and uh, be a part of that on Saturday, October 20th. All right. I have a feeling that maybe all of the announcements, we're going to dismiss our children. We have a children's program for seedlings, grades kindergarten through fifth grade. I'm sorry. Yes. I believe so. <laughs> Yeah, if you're interested in being a part of the outreach team, um, what you can do is um, you can even mark that on the Connect card. Say, hey, I'd like to be a part of the outreach team to the community and also our missions to the world. And we'll take your information and we'll make sure that you get a text or a note this week about our meetings. And our next one is Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here. So at this time, we'll dismiss our children. Seedlings, grades kindergarten through fifth are dismissed. We also remind you we have nursery for birth or preschool. So children, if you are ready to go to seedlings, you're dismissed. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you later. <laughs> have fun. You guys are going to have a, a blast. I know it. I know it. While they're going, would you do me a favor? Would you just stand and greet one another around? You just welcome someone today in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen, amen. The heart and soul of the church. So um, please, um, why don't you come up and lay hands on Pastor Phil, our leader, and uh, thank you.
thank, thanking God for making us a, a family. So if you want to come up and lay hands on him or pray for him. Um, thank you, Lord. This, uh, this church was a vision of pastors um, for so many years. And uh, his heart, he is truly the heart and soul of this church. And why we're so pleased to be here and serve alongside of him. We thank you for the provision um, that you've given us to make this church a true family. Um, Pastor said to me a long time ago he wanted this to be like the church we visit in Mexico, which is a true family, and I believe, I really believe that's what it's become. Mm -hmm. And it's to God's glory, and we thank you, Lord, for the three years and ask you for many, many more, no matter what comes, and um, we know you're in it, so we know it'll be good. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. It is beautiful to see how God has worked from a vision that was planted, um, planted like a seed, you know. I mean, we're called a church plant for a reason. There's a, there's a little seed that gets planted in the soil, and you're not sure what it's going to be like. And I so appreciate Pastor Rosalie's message last week. Let's give thanks to God for Pastor Rosalie and her message. If you haven't heard it, listen to it on the podcast uh, hosted by Podbean. It's about how God grows us, how our, how our life is like a, a garden that grows. And, and like she said, the seed has everything in it, right? But, but you can't see it. The transformation that happens, it's, it's planted. A lot of it happens underground before you even see it break through the soil. And, and God gave, gave me a vision, uh, actually many years earlier, working with the Hartford Project, to just see what God wants to do in the world and how God wants to restore people and transform people. And the verse that he gave me was from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. And it talked about God's vision for the world and how he wanted things to be and how he was going to transform all of the things that were broken and, and all of the things that were wrong and all of the things that were, that, that, that were just not of him and, and, the, and make it into what he designed us to be, beautiful to be. And so um, it was very interesting. I was just speaking with um, uh, Bishop Joel Cruz from House of Praise and Worship that we work with, and, and he was sharing with me that he had just created something. He works with wood, and he said it was from Isaiah 61, those first few verses. And I said, really? I said, that's our seed verse. I didn't think he knew that, uh, but I guess he did because he made this as a gift to us for our anniversary. And just to share with you, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's not you know, directly the verse, but it's taken from these verses you know, as, as kind of a way of talking about God's vision. So the vision of Hartford City Church, which we believe is part of God's vision for the world, was that to all who mourn, he would give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, and in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted. We always believe that God has planted us and that it's for his own glory that we will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity. And that's uh, their gift and blessing to us on our anniversary. So we give God praise for that this morning. See, our vision statement that we have is that we want to be people that experience God's beautiful restoration. 
meaning specifically this year that we want to be visibly transformed, that that's what God is about. God's work is transformation. God, and that transformation is restoring us to the beauty and the goodness that God desires in our life. But again, it doesn't happen quickly, does it? It doesn't happen quickly. We so often want it to be like those time-lapse, you know, videos where everything seems to go very quick, right? And we think that's how God's going to grow us, how God's going to grow a church, how God's going to grow, you know, strongness in our life. But it's not. It's often very slow, and it often, again, happens underground. I mean, everything is inside of us that God has given to us in the seed of his word, but it it takes time for it to be released. And we trust that God is at work. That God is at work in ways that are both seen and ways that are unseen. But we were praying this year that God would provide a breakthrough, that we would begin to see what God is doing in our lives and in our world. And so I wanted to share with you a passage today that I believe is like a seed in and of itself. I believe this passage is the gospel, the good news, the story of the whole Bible in a nutshell, in a seed shell, that everything that you need to know about God and the world and the Bible and you is inside this one passage of scripture, these 10 verses that are just compacted together like a seed. And I believe that this is the gospel seed. This is the word of God that gets planted in our lives. So I'm going to invite again my wife Jennifer to come up. And she's going to read for us. If you'd like to follow along, it's Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If you'd like to open your own Bibles um, or bring those up however you have it, it'll be on the screen behind us as well. Um, But let's take a look at God's word, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, not And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, I ask that this word that we have read would be the gospel seed that is planted deep into the soil of our life. And God, I pray that you would do your restoring, your transforming work, that it would be for your glory, God. God, we trust the power of your Holy Spirit to speak and to breathe into and to, and to bring life to each and every one of us, God. For I know that this is done through the power and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The question is always faith, isn't it? It's always, what do we believe? 
What do we really believe about life? What do we really believe about ourselves? What do we really believe about God? If there is a God, what do we believe about this world that we live in? So in this passage, the Apostle Paul says, let me sum it up for you. Let me as simply and directly as I can tell you what I believe the situation to be. That at one point we are dead, but God brings us to life. The transformation is no less than that. That it is, a, it is a transformation from death into life. It is a change that is as radical and dramatic as death to life. And he begins by telling us what the situation is before we have God in our life, before we have Jesus Christ. He said we're dead. We're dead in our transgressions and sin. The Bible teaches us that everyone sins, that everyone goes against God, everyone disobeys. Like it says in the passage, we're gratifying ourselves, we just want to please ourselves, we're very selfish in what we do. And what that does is that we end up hurting other people, we end up hurting ourselves, we end up creating and bringing about more death because we're so selfish, we're so concerned with ourselves that we have nothing to care about the world around us. And oftentimes we don't even care about ourselves. You see, it's hard to believe this though, isn't it? It's hard for some to believe that it's really that bad. Because we want to feel like we're pretty good people, right? And we know people that, let's be honest, let's be real. We know people that are living a good life. Or at least an okay life, right? And they don't go to church, they don't believe in God. They follow some other religion. They're not followers of Jesus Christ. And their life seems to be pretty good. They get up, they read the newspaper, they drink their coffee, they look at their phone, they go to work, or they go to school, right? They do what they do. They live and they love, they laugh and they play, they hurt and they cry. And life seems to be, it's hard to believe that we're really dead. Well, of course we're not dead. Most of you this morning are alive, (laughs) All of you are alive. Okay, the ones who didn't laugh, you may need a little wake up. But it's okay, you are alive this morning. We're not talking about physical life. Paul is talking about the spiritual life. Because the question remains for us, no matter how life is going on the outside, we all know that nothing lasts forever, right? The wages of sin is death because we're all going to die. So that means we are living in a world, as he said, that's not that's under the, the spirit of the kingdom of the air, meaning it's under the force of evil, it's under Satan, it's under the devil. I mean, I mean, there's this structure in place that everything is leading towards death. And we know that even our bodies will go away and they will die. Everything of this world will end at some point in time. So what we're talking about is the spiritual life, right? It's the spirit inside of us. It's the soul. And the question that I want us to ask ourselves this morning is, no matter how you look on the outside, what's going on on the inside? How are things really in your heart? How are things really in your soul? Because what the Bible is proposing is without the transforming love of Jesus Christ, your heart is becoming hard. Your soul is shriveling and dying. Not all at once, but slowly, piece by piece, moment by moment, day by day, year by year, without Jesus Christ, our souls, our spirits are dying. They're dying inside of us. And most of us, you know, we we hide that, you know, and and that's okay. I I don't want to know what everybody's thinking. (laughs) I don't want to see what's going on inside all of your hearts. and You don't want to see what's going on inside of mine. You know, we're protected for a reason, but at some point, we know us inside. 
And God wants to speak to that part of us that's inside. That's where he plants this seed of the gospel is inside of us first. That God wants to resuscitate what is dead and dying in our lives and give us life. Because you see, he says, without it, you're dead. You're dead. You're you're under this. You're in bondage. You're under a curse. Try as you might. You might achieve something. But didn't Jesus say, what does it profit someone if they gain the whole world, but they forfeit their soul? How is it with your soul today? How is it with your heart? How is it with your spirit? And that's the situation that God says we find ourselves in because of sin. Because of what we're born with that. In fact, it says we're by nature, by the fact that we're born with a sin nature, we're deserving of wrath. And let me pause for a minute and help us understand that people misinterpret that word. They think God is angry at us, right? That God's got this mean look on his face and he's ready to squash us. That's not what wrath means. It just means God's righteous judgment. God's righteous judgment. In other words, we all want justice, right? If you've been wronged by someone, you want justice, right? If something has happened to you, you want there to be justice, right? You want a God that has justice. But yet what, when, what happens when we're the ones that are wrong? When we've made the, when we've done the sin, when we've done the crime, right? And we all do in some way, shape, or form. God's righteous judgment can be upon us. Not his anger, as we understand anger, but his righteous judgment is upon us. But I love the transformation in the text that happens in one simple little word. This is how bad it is. And we have a hard time sometimes believing it's really that bad. But as bad as it is, there's this transforming word, but, but God, but God, but because of his great love for us, God in his mercy gave us a new life. Isn't that amazing? So we were dead. We're dead on the inside. We're dying on the inside. What we need is new life. And God gives us that new life because of his love for us, motivated by love. God does everything motivated by his great love. That's what we need to know and believe, that God is motivated by love, that he has mercy, right? We don't get what we deserve. But God forgives us, and he gives us new life. You see, Jesus said, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, if you want to go into heaven when this life ends, you need to be born again. And, and, and born again means that we need to have something come alive inside of us that wasn't there before. It's necessary for us to have new birth that God gives us through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, who is the expression of God's love. If you want to know what God's love is or what true love is, it's Jesus Christ. It's a simple And as wonderfully complex as that, that what Jesus taught, the way he lived, his death on the cross, his resurrection, that is God's love. Everything he did and said is to show us the love of God because God is always motivated by love. And this new life that you can have, this new life that can take what's dying inside of you and through the seed of the gospel that's planted, spring forth into the most beautiful garden full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. It's by grace. What does it mean that it's by grace? That we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God gives it to us as a gift because of his great love for us. It's by grace and it's through faith, the scripture said. It's through faith. How do we access this incredible gift of life? We access it through faith. And what is faith? 
more and above and beyond just believing in something, <clears throat> excuse me, faith is having full assurance and confidence in God and in Jesus Christ. And that this whole story that I'm presenting to you is true, 100% through and through true. And you're convinced of it. You have assurance in it. So much so that you give your life to God. You place your life completely in God's hands. <clears throat> that you go all in. There's no halfway. There's no partial thing. When you have faith, you align yourself with God, right? That means with Jesus Christ who reveals God's love to us, that you align your thoughts with Jesus Christ. You align your words with Jesus Christ. You align your actions with Jesus Christ. You align your beliefs and your commitments and, and what you decide to do with Jesus Christ and with God. That's what faith is. That's how you access this new life. That's how you access this gift of God is that you align yourself with God. God is like hosting this great big party, he called it, and it's full of lights and music and food and there's all kinds of things going on and he opens the doors wide and he says come on in this is life this is really truly life and you think if you believe that how in your right mind would you not go inside because you don't have faith oh it's an illusion i don't believe it it's not really real i'm gonna get inside and it's not gonna be the way they say it is and so, you know, this, you know, you just don't believe it. You think it's a mirage. You think it's an illusion. You think it's something we create to help ourselves feel better at night. You got to believe it. Then you have to receive it. You have to enter into it. Say, yes, I will take that gift. I will enter into this life of Jesus Christ by faith. So God makes us alive with Jesus Christ by grace. Because of his great love, it's a gift. Through faith, by us aligning ourselves, saying, God, I'm with you 100%. And he goes on to say that it's not by our own works. It's not by our works that we gain any of this. We can't be good enough. We can't try hard enough. Right? Because we all fall short of the glory of God. One of my favorite little parables or examples of this is to imagine that we were to drive out to Boston together and we're going to decide we're going to go to London, England. Who wants to go to England with me? Anybody want to go to London, England? But the way we're going to get there is we're going to swim across the ocean. Anybody still with me? Right? Anybody going to swim across the ocean? Right? Now listen, how many of us are going to make it swimming across the ocean? I'm going to say not many of us. Probably zero, right? Now in this room, we're all going to make it. Some of you are going to make it a little further than other people, right? I know some of you are going to swim further than me because I know I'm about to give up long before some of you give up. And some of you are in much better shape than I am and you're going to make it a little further, right? You might even make it a mile further than me. You might even make it five miles further than me because you're an excellent swimmer. But are we all going to fall short? Yep. You see what I'm saying? When it comes to God, how good do you have to be? <laughs> oh, well, that person's good. Well, that person... See, we, the other thing we have a hard time believing is that it's really that good. We have a hard time believing that God's grace is really that good. Did you catch what he said that not only does he raise us up with Christ, but he seats us in the heavenly realms with Christ? That means the transformation is that once you were under the authority of the devil and sin in this world, but God not only frees you and raises you up, he puts you in authority over that. You are ruling with Christ in the heavenly realms. You have authority over creation now. You have authority over sin. You have authority over all of that, over the devil, right? We have a hard time believing that the good news is really that good. 
we have a hard time believing that God's love is really that amazing, right? So sometimes we have a hard time believing we're really that bad. But some of us know that, hey, I, I am that bad because if I'm going to be honest, you know, I've messed that up. We have a hard time believing that God is that good, right? You see the problem we have? We have a hard time believing that we're really that bad. And we, then we have a hard time believing that God is really that good. And sometimes there, we think that we messed up too much. I want to talk to somebody today. I pray that God would send somebody here today that needs to hear what I'm about to say. Do you feel like you've messed up too much? Do you feel like you've let God down? Too many times. Many of us Christians do that. We feel like we've let God down. And we feel like once we've let him down too many times that there's no more love left for us. That we can't get back to God. Has anyone ever felt like that? That I have a word for you today from God. You've never let God down because you were never holding him up. You have never let God down because you were never holding him up in the first place. God was not depending on you for anything. But God says, depend on me for everything. God says, in this relationship, I am the one holding you. You're not holding me up. I'm holding you up. And I'm not going to let you down. And you can depend on me. Right? So if you ever feel like you've let God down, hear God say, no, you haven't. You were never holding me up in the first place. (laughs) Because I've been holding you. I'm the one holding up this relationship. It's not because of what you've done or what you can do, but it's because of what I've done. It's because of the work of Christ on the cross, right? The text says that that Jesus Christ entered into death, right? Why did he do that? He didn't have to die. He was perfect. He was holy. He was from God. He didn't have to enter into our death, but he entered into where we are because we're in that death. We're dead in our sins. He came into where we were, entered into death so that with him we can enter into life. That's the work of Christ. The work of Christ is entering into death and then raising us up to new life in God. That is the work of Christ. And it's not about your works. It's about God's work. You are not saved into this kind of life by works. But you are saved for the work of God. Let me say that again. You are not saved by your own works. But you are saved for the works of God. And here's where I'm bringing us to a close this morning. What is the work of God? What is the work of God? The work of God is you and me. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that anyone can boast. For we are God's work. We are God's handiwork. You know what that word means? It means a work of art. It means a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So the work of God is creating you to be a masterpiece. It's creating you to be beautiful, to have, to have a spirit of praise instead of despair, to have beauty instead of ashes. God's design is that you would be so beautiful and so good that it would bring glory to him and it would bring his light and his love to the entire earth. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's work of art. Created in Christ Jesus to do the good works. The work of God, the work of the kingdom that he's prepared in advance for us to do. I wish I had more to this sermon. I really do. I wish I had fancier words. 
I wish I had really funny stories. I wish I had a way to say it where people go, oh, that was so witty. That was, I don't. I don't. This is it. It's so simple and so true. I, I can't add anything to it. And sometimes we as preachers, we want to like convince you. We want to persuade you. It's like a salesman that comes to your door, right? And I need to tell you how bad your carpet is, even though it looks pretty good to you, so that you'll want to buy the vacuum that I give you to clean your carpet, right? And sometimes it feels like that, right? I'm trying to tell you how bad your life is, you know, so that you'll understand that Jesus is the vacuum cleaner of your life and you'll, and you'll buy Jesus from me, you know, by signing your name. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm being real. And sometimes I scratch my head and I say, God, is that really what it's about? I don't think so. I think that this is so elemental and basic to life that if it's true, it's true. If you're dead in your sin, if you're dying on the inside, you know it. Nobody needs to tell you. If God is real and he wants to breathe new life into you, then God is real and he's going to do it. Not through your work and not through my work. Not because the sermon is so great, but because God is so great. Not because the music is so emotional and moving, but because the Spirit of God is doing what the Spirit of God promised to do, what only the Spirit of God can do. So here it is. You ready again? Here's the message. You want to know? You can, you can believe this and share it with anybody you want. What is the whole message of the Bible? It's found right here in these verses. What is the whole story of what God is doing? It's this, we're dead in our sin, but God loves us and makes us alive through the work of Jesus Christ, not our own works, to be the masterpiece that God created us to be. That's it. It's a whole story of the Bible. That's it. We're dead in our sins, but God makes us alive because he loves us. Through the work of Jesus Christ, not our own works, so that we can be the masterpiece God created us to be. That's what it's about. So it, it reminds me of an illustration the Bible uses to describe this kind of transformation process. And it was a vision that God gave the prophet Ezekiel back in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures of the Bible. And the Lord took the prophet Ezekiel, some of you will remember this, right? And he showed him a vision. So, you know, it wasn't like really there, but it was a vision that he took him into, and it was a valley full of dry bones. Remember that? Just bones. Dry bones means there's nothing on them. No flesh, no muscle, no sinew, nothing. Just dry, dusty old bones. And he took him there, and he said, do you think these bones can live? I want you to prophesy to them to come to life, and I want you to prophesy to the wind, which is my spirit, to breathe on them. And the reason he said, I'm giving you this vision, Ezekiel, is because this is how my people feel. My people, the Israelites, feel like their bones are dry, that there's no hope, that everything is lost. And I want to tell them that I will breathe my spirit into them, and they will come alive again. And that's a vision of the story of what God wants to do. And I think all God has to do is breathe his spirit into your life. And there will be transformation from the inside out. And so I'm going to invite you to believe that and to receive that this morning. I'd like the worship team to come up if they would, please, and prepare behind me. It's interesting that the word spirit... In the Greek is the word for breath. You know, that's why we describe the Holy Spirit sometimes as wind or breath. 
that it's the breath of God that breathes into us. And what happens when God creates us physically, right? Isn't that the crazy thing? Another, another reason you know that it's not our own works is that it's called new birth. How many of you did something to make yourself born? <laughs> How many of you exerted any effort in your birth, right? Somebody else did the work, amen? All the mothers say amen. <laughs> Somebody else did the work. Somebody else brought you into this world, right? You just were born. So why is it not the same with being born again? It's not your work. It's the work of God. And when God created man from the dust, he created and formed the flesh, and then he breathed life into it. So that physically we are dust in the breath of God. But you know what that breath of life did? It gave each and every one of you a soul, a living identity that God created for himself. And so what God wants to do to give you new life is the same thing. He wants to take you if you will present yourself to him. And he wants to breathe his Holy Spirit into you. And you will receive new life in Jesus Christ. Would you join me in prayer? I'm just going to ask the worship team to sing a simple chorus. Breathe, O breath of God, now breathe. And if you want to receive that this morning, I'm going to invite you to do any number of things. I'm going to invite you to come forward and stand or kneel here at the front and say, God, breathe new life into me. Amen. I'm going to invite you where you are to just open up your hands to stand where you are. Because God's Spirit will reach you wherever you're at this morning. So would you just close your eyes? And if it's your desire, just say, God, I desire new life. I desire your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, I believe in your love. I believe in your grace. And through faith, I receive it into my life. If you need to come forward, if you need to stand, if you need to just sit and open your hands, just receive it this morning. Hallelujah. Receive the breath of God in your life.
God, we thank you in this moment for the transforming power of your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, I pray that today we would not only believe in your love, but we would depend upon your love. Lord God, I thank you that you are holding us, God. That we are depending on you. That your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your love, it overflows to us, God. Would you fill each and every person to overflowing with your love this morning, Lord God. Lord God, would you take that which is dead in us and would you bring it to life through the power of Jesus Christ. God, would you take the seed that you planted in us, God, and would you cause it to grow? Lord God, would you take this church, would you take this community, God, that has been planted, God, Lord, would you breathe on us? Would you breathe on Hartford City Church, God? Would you breathe on the city of Hartford, God? Would you breathe upon us, God, that we might grow, that we might come to life, that we might flourish for your glory and for your sake? Oh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, reveal yourself. Show yourself to be real to each and every one of us, God. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we are prepared for you. We are ready for you. God, we desire to see you move in our lives, God. Lord, move in the small and in the big, in the seen and the unseen, God. Continue to move, Lord God. Continue to move in us, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We want to declare the word of the Lord that he will bring life to the dry bones. That he will bring out of the ashes the beauty that he desires, God. So let's go ahead and sing that together, shall we? Let's sing together that dry bones will come alive. I invite you to stand if you are able and lift your hands that we might declare this truth together. Amen.